welcome to our first Tudor Cameo episode, released today, August 1st, 2022, to celebrate our anniversary. These very short episodes will be slotted in between the normal ones, and will cover those characters who made a fleeting yet tantalizing appearance in other episodes. We don't always have a lot of information about them, so they can't have a full episode of their own, but they are too interesting to abandon completely. And they help fill in the gaps and enable us to create as full a picture of the era as we can. And today, Edward Brampton. And we came across Sir Edward Brampton in Perkin Warbeck's episode. And he was frantically claiming to have had very little to do with Perkin. Honest, honest, it was nothing to do with me. So who was he? Yes. Sir Edward Brampton, otherwise known as Duarte Brandaio, and I can't guarantee the Portuguese <laughs> pronunciation of that, I'm afraid. So he was not British? <laughs> no, he was not. He was born in Portugal at around the year 1440 in the Jewish community in Lisbon. Is he Jewish? He was to start with, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was illegitimate. His father was a blacksmith. So not a particularly auspicious start, maybe. No. But it's not known why he ups, suddenly upsticks and came to England in the late 1450s. So it may have been that he killed a man who questioned his legitimacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. I thought maybe in the cameo episodes we'd get nice people. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> but if he had to leave Portugal for that, and it's probably lucky for him he did, because he did quite well for himself in England. He converted to Christianity sponsored by Edward IV, who stood godfather at his baptism. How on earth did he end up meeting the king? Well, I know that it's not just Edward didn't just do it for him. He did it for lots of people. Ah. So it might have been a sort of job lot of... Right. A job lot of Jews. That sounds pretty well. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of Jewish people who um, expressed interest in converting and Edward would have... Stood godfather to them all, I presume. Right, similar to like touching for the king's evil. They get a whole bunch mm. of people in one spot. Okay, mm. that makes sense. Yeah, he'd have called himself Edward in honour of his sponsor. So I don't know if all everybody, there was a lot of Edwards around, but Brampton, presumably because it sounded like a sort of anglicised Brandau, he must have had something about him since he distinguished himself at court and fighting for Edward. Oh my gosh, so he was actually at court. You go he from was. murdering a man and being illegitimate to being at court with the king. Yeah, there's a, a bit of a gap in his story there, which yes. would have been quite interesting to know, but we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's known he fought at the Battle of Tewkesbury. He may possibly have fought at the Battles of Edgecote, Loosecote Field and Barnet. Wow, busy man. In fact, all through the re-adeption, when Henry VI retook the throne, lost it, and then sadly died in a manner that was completely unrelated to Edward IV. <laughs> and more particularly, completely unrelated to Richard Duke of Gloucester. I'll just keep repeating that. <laughs> he played down the fact he was a son of a blacksmith, implying that he was from Portuguese nobility. Of course he did. So maybe he just really had the gift of the gab and turned up at the court. And they all thought, yeah, a bit like Perkin, you know, he yeah. looks like a duck. <laughs> Talks like a duck. Come and fight in the Battle of Shakespeare. <laughs> 1472, he was made a denison, which is one step down from citizen. And not many people were made denison each year, so it's quite quite a, an honour. Hmm. And he's rewarded for his good service to the king in many battles. So it implies he was in more than just Shakespeare. Yes. And he was given property in London, 
So, yeah, the boy done good. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do something nice for people and have them give me property. <laughs> I don't know how that works anymore. It doesn't. Nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone called Edward Brampton entered to Lincoln's Inn in 1475. Okay, and I became just a remind, lawyer. Yes, yeah. to remind people that's the Inns of Court for law. Yes, but we're not sure if that was him. Okay. If if it was if it were him, I'm not quite sure how he was finding the time, frankly. In the same year, he came to the attention of Charles the Bold in Burgundy. This is another little gap that oh. would be interesting to know about. Suddenly he's in Burgundy with Charles the Bold, and he stayed in Burgundy until Charles died. At really? the Battle of Nancy, if you remember, he had his face bit eaten off yes. by wolves. Yes. And that was in 1477. We're not sure what he was doing there, but since what Charles enjoyed doing most was fighting... We can probably assume that Brampton was fighting. fighting. <laughs> hmm. I wonder if he was actually given to them by Edward. Because at that time, um, Edward IV was supporting Charles the Bold against the French. That's why Margaret of Burgundy ended up being married over there. So I would imagine he would have sent military hmm. there. We just don't know if he was official or if he was a mercenary then. Name, the word mercenary never came up in any of the things I read. So it does sound as if Edward probably did... Because he did send military to aid Charles against the French. Hmm. So and I'm also he was very impressed with the Burgundian court, wasn't he, and tried to yes. emulate... Everybody was, though. Mm. Uh, the Burgundian court was very much like Milan to fashion is today. It mm. was the height of fashion, excess, and proper courtly etiquette, and of course fun. It's strange to think that it was riddled with poverty, really, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Descent, <laughs> misery. Yeah, yeah, but the court wasn't. No, the court. They wasn't. just the took court all the money. All right. Yes, it does feel like it's sort of shut off from the rest of the world, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But I suppose all courts were. 1479. He was back with Edward the Fourth when he was made gentleman usher of the chamber. Oh, that's quite close to the king. Yeah, I mean, he must have been entirely trusted. Yes. By Edward, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be. Yeah. It's not like it's not like when we when we hear about people close to Henry and you think, oh, this isn't no. <laughs> In fact, as soon as you hear that someone's close to Henry, you think, oh dear, oh dear, yes. here we go. Fourteen eighty, he received a large estate in Northamptonshire, so things couldn't be going better for him, really, could they? Yeah. Fourteen eighty one, he served under John Howard, who was later to become the first Duke of Norfolk. You know the whole beginning of yes, the beginning of that Howard. whole Howard saga. Yes, and that was on a naval expedition against the Scots, and that was when Edward the Fourth was trying to oust James the Third and put his brother, Duke of Albany, on the throne. Right, if you remember all that from Rex Factor. Yes, um, which obviously he failed to do. Fourteen eighty two, so he's doing something every year. Busy man. Brampton was a squire to the king's body. And in that same year, he was made governor of Guernsey. How are you governor to a land when you're at court all the time? Because a squire to the king's body isn't supposed to leave the king. Mm. And Guernsey isn't just a hop, skip and a jump away from London. You have to take a boat. <laughs> you do have to take a boat, yes. <laughs> you can take a plane now, but obviously you took a boat then. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, that. Yes, I hadn't spotted that little incongruity. But he was definitely both. The following year, Edward IV and Louis XI of France, that's the universal spider, yes. made an application to Pope Sixtus IV, resulting in the issue of a bull of neutrality. 
placing the island of Guernsey under church protection really? and putting an end to the constant disputes for territory that had gone on throughout the Hundred Years' War. Huh. Okay. It was in 1496 when Henry VII obtained a bull from Pope Alexander VI, transferring the islands, firstly to the Diocese of Salisbury and then to Winchester. So you've gone a bit, a bit of a rabbit hole here. Hmm. So do the people of Guernsey have Henry VII to thank for the fact they become part, became part of Britain rather than part of France? Sounds um, is, like is it. Thank, is thank the word? Are they happy with this arrangement? I'm not sure. And then the question is, how much did Henry pay for that? Ah. Because that Pope wouldn't have done anything without money. And Henry was quite happy to pay for things, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Know, people, people not aware of British geography, and, you know, why would you be, might not realise that the Channel <laughs> Islands are considerably closer to France than they are to England, so that they look as if they ought, ought to be part of France. Hmm. Now, it seems that Henry, yeah, possibly bought them. Hmm. Yeah, so that's another link with England that I missed in the Pope Alexander episode. <laughs> Like I said, every time we start researching somebody else, you end up with items that were missed that seem hugely important in any of the books about the person. Yeah, the trouble is that when you read about someone like Alexander, books about him don't necessarily mention a bu the bull of neutrality for Guernsey. No. Because it's <laughs> probably rather more important for Guernsey than it was for Alexander. Yes, so, but I didn't read that in any of our research for Henry. That's the first time I've come across it. These, yeah. these cameo episodes are going to be little gold mines for that sort of thing. I, I think, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> on Edward IV's death, Brampton remained at court and was knighted under Richard III in 1484. And he was the first ex-Jew to be knighted. Really? Yeah, so that's a feather in his cap. Mm -hmm. It was. It has been speculated that the knighthood might have been for special services rendered. We're back in this territory and again. Oh. In that, could he have spirited the princes out of the tower and hidden them in the Channel Islands? Oh. And Richard also paid him £340 for no obvious reason. So, conclusive evidence? Hmm. However... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's always a however... He had lent money on several occasions to both Edward IV and Richard III. So possibly that's why he was knighted. That's why people get knighted these days. Oh. Uh, and maybe the money was repayment on the loans. Possibly. But then the accounting would have just said. I don't know. It depends how embarrassed. Well, I don't know. Would they be embarrassed about borrowing off a mere oh. subject? Oh, I don't know if it's personal loans. Mm. I don't know. I don't know either. Mm. I think we're going to... With these smaller episodes, because there's not so much information on them, we do get intriguing little gaps, which would be interesting to fill, but if the mm -hmm. information's not there, it's not there. March 1485. That's 1485. <laughs> I know what year this is. <laughs> he was sent to Portugal to negotiate a new bride for King Richard. Because he was the obvious person to go since he was a Portuguese speaker. Right. And Richard's wife, Anne, had just died. And Richard had just vehemently denied that he wanted to marry his niece. <laughs> so, what, me? No, that would be weird. I'm not doing that. So I'm not uh, a Habsburg. <laughs> <laughs> or who was it? Claudius, wasn't it? Emperor Claudius. Yes, Emperor niece. Claudius married his niece. But I think yeah. that was more the niece's idea than Claudius's. Yeah. Hmm. Totalis Rankium of the Roman <laughs> Episode five-ish, five, six, I don't know. Yeah. 
this meant, of course, that Brampton wasn't in England for the Battle of Bosworth. But the enormity of the event must must have mm. hit him like a sack of potatoes because, as for many of others, other people we've come across, the news meant that everything had changed for him. Everything, yes. Yeah. Everything that had been given to him by Edward IV and Richard III was taken away by Henry VII. Including his denizen status? I'm not sure about that. He doesn't come back to England. Oh, so, so possibly. So whether that was his choice. Or, or he was just told. Yes, you're no longer welcome. I suppose it's much harder if the person is English to dismiss them completely because they're still there, aren't they? So. Yes. But if they're foreign, you can just say, say I nope. suggest you go home. <laughs> I suggest. <laughs> I suggest very strongly. <laughs> As you're sharpening a sword, shink, shink. <laughs> but whether that was Edward thinking, there's nothing for me here now, which is quite possible. He was already out of the country, so I might have thought, it's probably safer for me if I just here. stay here. Yeah, so does he stay in Portugal then? Well, initially he goes to Bruges, and he may have spent some time at Auntie Margaret's place in Malin. Okay. Because that would fit in nicely with all these Perkin conspiracies. Yes, it would. Then he went back to Portugal, where he became an importer of grains of paradise from West Africa. Okay, what are grains of paradise? A short history, a very short history of <laughs> grains of paradise. I, I knew you would have done that. <laughs> I well, I have do. had grains of paradise. Yes, it, it tastes peppery. Okay. But in fact, it comes from the ginger family. I'm having deja vu. Yeah, we mentioned it uh, with him. Yeah. Okay. It got its name in the 13th century and was so-called since Eden was far away and exotic and so were these grains. So these grains came from paradise. Neat. In fact, they came from West Africa, but there we go. It's exotic enough. And it, used, it was used throughout the Middle Ages to flavour wine in a drink called Hippocras. Oh, right. Which was terrifically popular. But when yes. I tried it, it gave me chronic angst. <laughs> so, really? Did yeah. you try it again with different I've, recipe? I've been psyching myself up for it. Because it was, <laughs> it was such a strange bad, feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it in red or white wine and hot or cold. And we had it in cold red, which seems an odd... I don't know why we chose cold red. It must have been the summer, I suppose. And we didn't want to have mulled wine and we happened to have a bottle of red. But maybe we'll try it with hot red. Yes. So if you're going to do that, you need to take a cast iron poker, get it into the fire and make it quite hot. And then you mm. put it into the chalice. So you'll need a metal cup. Right. Okay. And that's apparently the best way to have Hippocras. Okay. And it turns out that that works to help anemia because you actually get iron off of the poker into the drink. Mm. Don't take that as medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't do that instead of taking your iron tablets. <laughs> Yeah, it's got what's it got uh, galangal. It's got uh, long pepper. They okay. come. The stuff comes because I bought all the ingredients from a well-known online store, <laughs> <laughs> and it came from all over the place. Yes, the, the grains of paradise came from West Africa. The galangal came from Sri Lanka, I think, and the long pepper came from. Martinique? Something. It was all over the world. And you just think, well, presumably that's where they came from during this time. It just shows. Okay, you're going to have to send me the recipe and I will try it. I'll order the same stuff and I'll see what it tastes like. Okay. There's um, a very nice man on YouTube who does recipes from various times throughout history. And I will put a link 
if I can find it again, this was a while ago I looked, I'll put a link on uh, Facebook and then everyone can try Hippocrats and tell me if you get angst. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's coincidental. Maybe I was just worrying about something, but I didn't remember worrying. I mean, I'd had half a bottle of wine. I shouldn't have been worrying about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was it. I had too much. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, that was my little side route down the grains of paradise rabbit hole. It was during this period that all the stories of Perkin travelling to Portugal with Brampton's wife and then being taken on by Brampton occurred, although Brampton played this down in his own statement, saying that he only took on the boy because he pleaded and he quickly passed him on to someone else. Bird and Andre thought that Perkin might have been part of Brampton's household when he was usher to Edward IV. I mean, we know what a stickler for truth he was, but <laughs> that actually does sound quite... Quite reasonable. Quite possible, yeah. Oh. What? My page is jammed. It's got very hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's not. I've just... Okay, near the bottom. I'm not used to that, these short episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> In 1489, Henry VII pardoned Brampton, and it's not thought that he returned to England, but he does seem to have had some role helping Henry's envoys to Portugal. What was he pardoned for? For being on the wrong side. <laughs> I think that's, that's about it, because he hadn't okay. actually done anything. He wasn't at the Battle of Bosworth, so he can't. he didn't commit treason fighting against what then became the king. Right. So I guess, yeah, I think it's just... He was in the wrong court and mm -hmm. he had to, had to pay. In 1500, his son was knighted by Henry. So obviously all is forgiven. Brampton died in Lisbon. It was interesting because that was where he was born and he came back to where he was. 11th November, 1508. But that's not the end of him. I mean, you'd think it would be, but yes. it's not. He appears, in a he appears as a character in a novel, The Family, by Mario Puzzo, who was the man who wrote The Godfather. Oh. And in it, he escapes from Henry VII's England and becomes personal advisor to Pope Alexander VI and helps him in his battle against Savonarola, about really? whom we've heard a lot recently in uh, Patreon episodes. Yes. I mean, it's hard to see where any of that came from, but it's a novel, so you're allowed to make a yes. few changes. Yeah, but still. Including to someone's entire life. <laughs> but, uh... it's, a, it's a nice story. It, it it's nice just story, neat yeah. to have it pulled out into fiction. Yes, you've just taken several of the most famous people and plonked them together and joined them together with Ed Edward Brampton. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the story of Sir Edward Brampton. That's kind of cool. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So that's the end of our first episode of Cameo Tudors. Mm -hmm. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. <laughs> nice and short which on nice a very hot short. day like today is no bad thing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> people might be listening to this in a gale but uh, it's very hot today yes. so goodbye and we'll see you for our next real episode which will be Northern Renaissance so goodbye goodbye